Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on Addiction and Recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Hello, Detox Podcast listeners. Uh, Today, this episode is called Heart to Heart, and I thought I'd do it a bit Q&A style. I asked my Instagram and Facebook followers to send me questions, and I'm going to answer them here. This episode, uh, sorry, this poem is very uh, short. It's just two lines, and yeah, it's called Heart to Heart, and it goes like this. I love you, and I love your tears. Let's stay up and share our fears. It's cute. (laughs) I wrote this um, because in recovery, like you have all of these fears, right? Um, So many fears, so many unknowns, and also secrets. I've talked a bunch about fears and secrets uh, over the past couple episodes and, and throughout the entire history of the podcast but this poem was really about sharing that sharing that with others and getting a resounding like me too i'm having the same fear what the heck is this about what do we do about it how do we move past it how do we move through it and there even became this deliciousness of sharing my secrets and and bearing my truth and just letting it all out and just kind of showing up naked for the first time to these recovery spaces and to friends and just kind of yeah like bearing my soul bearing bearing it wide open for for people to see and to read and and that's sort of what these poems are too it's very interesting because the poems um are very raw they they're just like i always say it's like reading the inside of my mind uh, when you read these poems, because I I was in really dark places when I wrote a lot of them, and so they're they're born of darkness, they're born of light, they're born of the treacherous and rewarding journey that is recovery, and it was really scary at first uh, to release such a thing, uh, as well as share my stories. Uh, with people, strangers basically on the internet, um, always this like, there are definitely still some things that I really haven't told. Um, and that's okay. And that's okay if you don't want to tell all of your stories. I actually even had a dream last night where um, I was in this like weird town and I had done something apparently. I, I, uh, I was at a restaurant and it was falling apart, like uh, nobody was getting their food. There was an inn upstairs and no one was running the inn. People were trying to check in, but there was no receptionist. Uh, it was just uh, failing 
And this person in the town was like, you come in here and you ruin everything. What is going on? And I felt like I had to explain myself. And I know this is just a dream, but I, I also feel this way in real life that I have to always explain myself when, you know, someone doesn't approve of what I've done or took offense or doesn't understand. And I think, oh, if I only explain why, when, how, where, and my entire history and why I'm the way that I am, then some sort of compassion piece can come in and they'll see me for who I am and they'll forgive me and they'll, they'll see that I didn't really actually fuck up. It was just human error or I'm just human. So please see me that way. And that's, that's what all of this is about. This, this sharing and this hurt and the shame. It's, it's a desire to, to be seen as just a human being, not a colossal fuck up or someone who ruins everything. (sighs) Um, I'll share one of my fears with me. I mean, with you. (laughs) I'll share one of my fears with you that has just recently come up that I've just actually recognized as what it is. Um, Through recovery, I have been painstakingly attempting to uncover all of the things about myself that I'm unaware of in order to heal them, in order to um, get rid of them, to become better. I always have this feeling that there's something lurking in the shadows that is unbeknownst to me, but is hurting other people in the way that I behave, in the way that I act. Like, I feel like I'm very blind to my own self in a lot of ways. And clarity is something that I hold very, very dear. And that's why sobriety is so important to me. Um, I don't like feeling like I don't know what's going on. I don't feel like, I don't like when my consciousness feels all over the place. I don't like feeling like I'm out of control. I don't like feeling like I've done something that I'm not even aware of. So I've been trying to dredge up these shadows and and focus on them and work on them because I don't want to replay what it was like when I was drinking, which was a lot of having these unconscious moments where I was unknowingly hurting people and myself. And all the way to the points like where you have memory loss, where I had memory loss and couldn't remember what I had done, but also in the fact that I was so focused on myself that I wasn't seeing the outside world and I wasn't seeing how I was impacting people. It was um, both impossible because of the addiction and also unbearable to look at that. Uh, I couldn't, there, it wasn't even like something that even crossed my mind to think, hmm, I wonder how I'm impacting people. It was just like a a completely unbearable thought, an impossible thought. So I've carried that forward until now. I'm four years sober and I still have this like feeling like I'm hurting people without even knowing it. And I just decided like yesterday I pulled some tarot cards for the full moon. I did this uh, full moon tarot spread that I shared in my email newsletter and in my uh, email, or sorry, on my Instagram, 
And there was a question of like, which outdated role have I been playing? And I got the 10 of swords, which I get a lot. And that's like a very dark card. That card means that my own thoughts have killed me, that I have become so obsessed with an internal narrative about the outside world that not only would I did I get stuck in a mental prison and then it turned into like a living nightmare but it's actually then like killed me and I'm completely there's in this imagery there's an ox and there's like nine swords in the ox's back and then one sword through the ox's eyes and the eyes like get me because it's like you are now blinded by your own spiraling thoughts and your own internal narrative that you cannot see reality the way that it is and i've been getting that card so much i'm like frick like i'm stuck in this unseeing mode that i'm not seeing life clearly and i can't trust myself to see things clearly and so that was the card that came up and i was like oh my god i think i've been keeping myself stuck feeling like I can't trust myself, feeling like I'm always partially blind to reality. And so focused on trying to uncover and unblind myself that I forgot to just live and be and like trust myself and be okay with myself and and know that like I am a good person and that I'm just doing the best that I can and I don't have to always be so focused on the fact that I might be hurting someone. Whew, it was big for me to realize that. And I wonder if that's the same for other people because um, while, yeah, I hurt people in, in my addiction, there were a lot of people who um, have really hurt other people you know, like real harm, physical harm, um, you know, families have, have kind of broken down, jobs have been lost, uh, words have said that can't be unsaid, so much stuff, right? Like, I have heard it all. And it's, and it's so hard to, to reconcile the person that you were then with the person that you really are without, without the addiction. And so I send so much love to you if that's the case, if that's what you're struggling with, because you are very much deserving of forgiveness and love and, and you are. I'm proud of you for even, um, even attempting recovery or uh, wanting, wanting to mend those bridges or at least wanting to mend the bridge with yourself. So kudos to you. Um, I'll move into the Q&A portion now. Uh, the main question that I kept getting uh, was, how do you stay sober? How do you do it? How do you stay sober when it's like every day there's these wild cravings knocking at your door? And if you are the kind of person that you're in this section of your recovery process that it does feel like a daily grind to stay sober, and perhaps like you're back at that, or maybe you never left that, or it doesn't matter because, you know, everybody's recovery is a little bit different and it's cyclical. It's not linear, right? We, 
we start at point A in the middle and we start spiraling out to get to point B on the outside, coming back again and again and again to the same experiences that we need to, to move through, you know, to get stronger. So this is one of those situations where if we are grinding every day to just hang on to the sobriety and not pick up that drink, this is my answer for that. It really is moment by moment. And I remember sitting on my couch in my apartment, not the one I'm in now, but my previous apartment, and literally feeling like alcohol was like this thing in front of me. And every moment that I could sit on the couch without getting up off the couch to go to the kitchen to go get a beer or whatever it was, um, I was pushing the timeline just a little bit further. I was pushing alcohol a little bit further. It was like right there, but like every moment I won. Every moment that I didn't get off the couch and pour myself a drink, I won. And so that's that's the little sliver that you need to focus on, is literally moment by moment. Um, I kind of hate this like one day at a time thing. Like <laughs> it seems, um, I don't know, uh, like I want to say infantile, but that's not the right word. Um, I don't know, but it's just, it seems almost like people are talking down like, oh, it's just one day at a time. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, we know it's one day at a time. Thank you very much. Um, But in this instance, it really, it really is. So you gotta take it moment by moment. And this is what I do in those moments to push it a little bit further. I keep something else in my hands at all times. This is usually like a non-alcoholic drink. If non-alcoholic beer or non-alcoholic wine or non-alcoholic cocktails, my uh, liquor store near my house actually sells non-alcoholic mojitos in a can. And this was just over the last couple of weeks, they started doing this and they're delicious by the way. Um, But I know that like non-alcoholic versions of alcoholic stuff can be triggering for people and can be not the choice so if this is not for you don't do it but if you find it helpful at first i didn't think it was going to be helpful i thought like oh well i'm just like this is just a crutch or i'm just uh i'm just going to create another um dependence on something else but the thing was it wasn't the case because non-alcoholic options don't contain alcohol because (laughs) obviously but um alcohol is the addictive substance and you'll be surprised Uh, what happens when you are consuming something of similar flavor but doesn't have the addictive substance added in. It doesn't create that maddening, uncontrollable uh, neural pathway in your mind. It's different. That's at least what I found. It's personal experience, but that's what I found. And I can take them or leave them now. I never developed any sort of dependence on them. They actually really helped me bridge the gap. It was a really lovely way to still kind of get that feeling like I was satiating the desire to have a beer or a glass of wine. And especially when it's like warm out, I know like it's um, we're at the end of April now, it's going to start getting warmer outside and that can be really triggering because of patio seasons, summer events, like memories that we have about drinking in the sunshine. It's going it's going to happen. So if you have non-alcoholic options, that is a really, really good way to go. Um, If not, 
discover a drink that you really like. People really love something that has fizziness to it because it, it reminds them of the fizziness of beer or uh, the carbonation of uh, mixed drinks. So I started drinking um, diet pop like crazy. Um, I started to drink carbonated water, different flavors. Um, you can even add like uh, flavors to it. Like I have um, this, it might be a little bit kind of sketchy to to like mix drinks for yourself but that can be really fun also just this is going to be have to like decide what works for you obviously this is like choose your own adventure so uh making alcoholic or non-alcoholic non drinks non-alcoholic drinks uh with you know get get fun with it like put like um lime cordial or uh put like a squeeze of lime or some simple syrup that you infused with pineapple um with sparkling water and a sprig of rosemary and suddenly you have a, a mocktail for yourself and it's uh you know it's creative it it makes you it gives you something to focus on and it's kind of like a little project and you can start you know playing around with that and having fun with that and creating new drinks i there's a whole world of drinks out there that i never drank because i was always hyper focused on drinking alcohol all these different like lattes and teas and bubble tea and like I really rediscovered so many things like bubble tea I used to love bubble tea when I was in my youth and I started drinking it again and it was like nostalgic and also non-alcoholic so great like there's so many things out there that you can try like lots of um restaurants I know it's weird you can't go to restaurants really right now um but a lot of them do have non-alcoholic options and I would have never even looked at that side of the menu previously and some of them are really freaking good. Um, yeah. Okay. So other than that, always have something in your hand. Always be drinking something other than alcohol and like occupy your hand and occupy your mouth. <laughs> that sounds weird. Um, also snacks. Like don't be afraid to snack. Don't be afraid to eat whatever you want. Like you are focused on not drinking right now. That's the only thing that's important. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about what it is you're eating. Don't worry. Like, I just saw uh, something on Instagram on a like body positive Instagram page, and they said uh, guilt is an ingredient that humans added to food. No food ever contained guilt to begin with. And like, it made me think of like, you know, we say like guilt free food, like all food is guilt-free. It doesn't have guilt in it. We we bake that into it. And this is your opportunity to eat what you want. Uh, your sugar cravings are obviously going to be um, probably through the roof right now. Like, just go with it. It's okay. Here's your permission. Eat whatever your body wants to eat. It needs it. Um, rest. Uh, nothing resets a trigger like rest. Like, go to bed. <laughs> I know that some, like, our sleep is kind of maybe fucked up like we might have insomnia or lots of anxiety and, and that kind of thing but doing the best to rest is good um holy basil tea uh tends to tends to be nice and calming i used to drink um i think it's tulsi tea with holy basil and rose and i really like that combo and i made it with um um khalifa farms has like a toasted coconut milk 
and like making it with that was really good but that was before oat milk existed so i feel like oat milk would be also really yummy like really creamy and obviously use whatever milk is is um good for you or sounds delicious to you i really like that um hmm the most important thing is getting from this moment to the next and pushing the timeline a little bit further, making it a little bit further moment by moment, pushing the edge, winning every moment you are winning if you're not picking up that drink. And eventually it'll be time to go to bed and holy shit, you've made it another day sober. Taking a bath, doing things to really soothe your nervous system and like crank up the self-care, crank it up like wild, like put essential oils and candles and bath salts and crystals, like uh, crystals, make sure they're water safe if you're gonna put them in the bath and maybe don't put them in with salt. I hear that it could be okay to use them with salt, but I think that they can damage some. So just like, um, yeah, make sure that the, the crystal's okay to go in the bath because some are like water soluble or um, can fracture or have, contain lead and can just poison you, which would just be completely opposite the point. Um, meditation, learning breathwork practices. Um, your breath is really powerful just taking some slow, deep breaths um, <clears throat> to, to calm down the nervous system. There are many things. There are many things to do to push the timeline a little bit, a little bit further. You can do things that make uh, your hands busy, like taking up knitting or crocheting or something like that, that, you know, you're not like doom scrolling on your phone but you like your hands are busy and it's very meditative. Like I think that that's a good option. Uh, the next question that I had was, uh, does sobriety happen overnight or does it take a long time? Uh, it definitely takes time. It's not an overnight thing at all. Uh, the decision, like the actual, like I've decided not to drink, like that very first day of like not drinking. Sure. That might be a, like a one day technically overnight thing, but it's, it's a, it's not, it's not, um, definitely not an, a, something that happens quickly. Um, the next question I had, I feel like I'm saying I'm a lot. I apologize for that. Uh, there I go again. The next question I had was how do you explain the importance of your sobriety to your non-sober friends? And this is a big one because not everybody gets it. Not everybody gets it. Which is really unfortunate and very invalidating. Uh, recovery is like one of the most important things that a person can do. And to not be seen for the incredible victory that it is and not to be supported through that is a freaking tragedy to me. Um, the first thing I'll say is that if somebody doesn't get your sobriety, it means that your sobriety is a threat to their own drinking and their own lifestyle. It threatens their reality and they might not be able to reconcile that right now. They, they see it as a light that is shining on them and if they cannot support you and they cannot 
hold you through this, it might, it might be shining a light on their own drinking habits and their own addictive patterns and behaviors. And they're not ready. They're not ready to look at it yet. And they don't want to have to change. And, and some people can feel like they have to change, you know, they have to, um, they have to stop drinking if you're going to stop drinking, which is not, which is not true. Um, but they do kind of have to change in some ways. They have to acknowledge that the same things you used to do together are going to be different and they don't want that to change. Their language around you is going to have to change. Their, um, how they support you and how they relate to you is going to change. And, and it's going to be for the good, but they might not be ready for that change. And hopefully that little piece there can help gain some distance. Like it's not, it's not about you. Mostly. Uh, in most cases, it's not about you. It's about them and their own shit. And they're projecting onto you, which sucks because it's not your responsibility to deal with their projections. And it's not your responsibility to have to prove to people that you're worthy of support, especially in such a really incredibly difficult process. Uh, I really wish the whole world would just see the value of, of recovery and what that means, but it's just not the case yet. Uh, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of stigma and um, it really shines a light on like where your friend dynamic is. And, and hopefully these friends will come around uh, and, and they'll see and I wish that you didn't have to ex try to have to explain it to them in order to get support or, or validation. That's ridiculous. Uh, but if if you are looking for ways on how to explain it, think of it as if you were in an actual physical um, accident where perhaps you broke both of your legs and now you have to use a wheelchair to get around. Suddenly, you're not able to access buildings that don't have ramps. Suddenly, you're not allowed. You're not able to walk upstairs. Like you can't run stairs with your friends. Like maybe you used to run stairs with your friends all the time, and that's what you did together. It would be really insensitive and cruel of your friends to be like, "Let's go run stairs," and you're like, "Well, I can't." Like very obviously, I cannot do that. And for them to still like push you to do it, even though your legs are broken, seems so disjointed. Doesn't make any sense. But that's, and that necessarily, that probably wouldn't happen in real life. Uh, they would know that your legs are broken and they would say, okay, well, instead of running stairs, why don't we uh, just hang out? Why don't we go over to your house where you can be comfortable and we'll hang out there instead of forcing you to try to run upstairs in a wheelchair. It's not going to happen. That's kind of like the same with sobriety. You have a whole new parameter around your life. Like if, if you were in a wheelchair, suddenly you can't reach things that you did, that you used to not be able to reach. You're, you're not able to, you know, move around the same way. You're not able to do a whole bunch of things that you did when you had um, the use of your legs and and like your whole life has now this filter on it that you have to be looking for uh, new accessible ways 
to move about your life and you have to reorient yourself to your to your life oh, sorry apologies for my phone going off there um that's the same with sobriety suddenly you're not going to be doing the same things as you did before because now they're extremely triggering. They're not safe places for you. They're not safe activities for you. You're not going to be going to the bar with your friends dancing. I mean, you might be, that might be cool for you, but um, there's just like all of these different things. You have this filter that you have to always be sort of ready to deal with triggers as they come. You have to have your kind of toolbox with you, which is something that I kind of mentioned before with like having the tea and the non-alcoholic drinks and snacks. Uh, this is something that you should also carry with you at all times, like a little toolbox, which can contain um, like crystals, uh, essential oils that um, are calming to you. Uh, there's a really good blend um, by Sage that's called Craving Be Gone or something like that. It's literally an anti-craving oil and it actually did work when I used it. So uh, maybe find that one. Um, teas, snacks, like lotion, any sort of like sensory thing that you can have. Um, have a sweater like in case you just feel like your nervous system is really on edge and you want to kind of soothe it with like a nice soft sweater on your arms. Just like have everything and like always have an exit plan. That's also really important. Um, always have an exit plan. This means uh, driving yourself. If you have a car or if you have a bike or something like that, always like go to parties. I know that like with COVID, um, you're not going to parties. I hope you're not going to parties. Um, but if you're going to any sort of social thing, don't let someone else drive you and don't drive someone else. Just go by yourself so that you can leave whenever you want to. That has been really important for me. And I've definitely been in situations where I could leave and I probably stayed longer than I should have because I felt like, I don't know, there's this weird social pressure and like also internal pressure to like stay and like fight through it, but it just got worse and worse and worse. So like you are allowed to leave. If that situation is not good, it's not good for you and you're having like a full body nervous system response and you don't feel like working through it, you're allowed to leave. And and you should, if you can, safely, obviously. Um, there have definitely been times where I could leave and I did leave and it was an empowering decision for me because it was like I was taking the the power back from that situation. Like it wasn't like the situation had control over me anymore. I was like, okay, you know what? No, I'm in control of my body and where I am and what I do and 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 what I do with my time. And I'm not going to give any more to this situation that's hurting me and harming me and causing me to have triggers come up. It's time to leave. And even, you know, driving away or or getting a ride from from someone you trust who can come pick you up like that's that's a really good choice so always remember that and i wanted to circle back to this whole convincing your friends that your sobriety is important 
And I really want to say that if your friends are having a hard time accepting your sobriety uh, or supporting your sobriety or understanding, then this is the moment where you have an opportunity to examine this friendship and decide if it's working for you anymore. And I'm not saying that you have to end the friendship. This is where you get to have the say. You get to look at the relationship and say, is this a person that I only bonded with because we would go drinking together? Is this uh, the kind of person where we were only honest with each other when we were drunk? Is this the person where I feel most connected to when drinking and don't feel connected to when I'm sober? You get to ask those questions now and you're in control of who you let into your life and who you spend your time with. So if that relationship isn't serving you anymore, you get to walk away. And and this goes for family too. Family can be really difficult uh, to deal with in sobriety. They don't get it. They suddenly you've done this 180 where like you used to drink a bunch and now you don't at all. And like people can have a hard time adjusting to such like, uh, you know, changes like that. And hopefully your family is supportive, but uh, many people learn their drinking from their family. And you might have heavy drinkers or uh, people who have substance use issues in your in your family, and that will shine a really, really glaring light on, on their own patterns of behavior. So yeah, be prepared for that. And I know that family can can be tricky and like have these enmeshed stuff and we might feel it like an extra obligation because they're blood or because they're family and like I know that depending on like what culture what religion that you are a part of like you might have specific family ideals and that's like those can be really great things but if the obligation is harming you then the purpose of the family oriented uh, concept is is not doing what its purpose is. It's supposed to be a support system. It is supposed to be people that you can lean on and and you you share resources and time and effort in order to raise everyone together and, and support each other. It's not supposed to make you feel like you don't belong or you're not seen or heard or validated. That's the opposite. That's, it's not supposed to feel that way. And so you're allowed to take time away from your family. COVID has given me a, a great um, ability. Uh, it's like a built-in excuse like not to see the people that you don't want to see. And like, I love my family. I love my friends. But sometimes, you know, you just need some time apart or you get a chance to reevaluate like, what, like what's right and what feels good. So now is your turn to do that. And I hesitate to say this, but like, are these friends, like if they can't support you in this really important time in your life, like, is that serving you? That's for you to decide. Um, that's for you to decide. Sobriety, one of sobriety's gifts is the realignment in your life. You, you find yourself again, you start learning boundaries, you start learning what you want your life to look like instead of this horrific groundhog day where you're just drinking yourself into oblivion every day you know like you get a chance to create something beautiful and that works for you 
So take some time and, and maybe even journal about that. Like if you're having struggles with your friends, like write it out and say, what do you want? How do like, how do you feel seen in a relationship? What do you like, what needs do you need to be met in order to feel like this is a good, healthy relationship? And I'd like to speak to those of you who are family members and friends. I, you know, like I, I talked about a couple episodes ago that us in recovery, we need a safe place to land. We need a soft place of acceptance and love and belonging. We need, we need to feel like you will accept us for all of this stuff we've been doing. We are riddled with shame and guilt and fear. And we feel like you hate us for like things that we can't even remember. So please open your heart and open your arms and and welcome us back and don't make it, don't shun us for this decision. And don't, like if your friend wants to be sober, whether or not they had any sort of addiction problem or not, like support that. Why is, think, think about yourself. And if there is, like if it's hard for you, Think about that. Reflect on that. If it is hard for you to accept someone's decision, what is that what is that saying about you and your own beliefs towards towards that situation? If it's drinking and your friend decides to become sober and you don't feel like celebrating that to the nth degree and creating a new structure of life for them to feel safe in and supported and heard, what role does alcohol play in your life? Just something to think about. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Heart to heart. Just from my heart to yours and your heart to mine. Thank you for submitting your questions. I really appreciate that. I really hope that I uh, gave you some insight and some answers and some guidance that uh, you can apply to your recovery process any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can send me an email um, on my website or uh, send me a message on Instagram. Love to hear from you. Here's the poem heart to heart. I love you. And I love your tears. Let's stay up and share our fears. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. See you next time.